just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Good Monday. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Good to have you here. And uh, if you're looking for a little hope, um, we're going to bring it to you today, I think. A little encouragement uh, and maybe some insight into some struggles that we all go through from time to time. I have with me an author, speaker. He was a longtime pastor. uh, And he is the author of a new book that is available now called Good Catastrophe. Uh, And those are two words that we don't usually put together. And I think that is rather the point. So we're going to figure out what that means uh, and see what we can learn when we walk through our own difficult times. Benjamin Wendell, good to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you so much, Randy. Looking forward to this conversation. So people are already like, oh, well, where's he from? Uh, Give us a little bit of your background before we get into some of the content of the book, if you don't mind. Well, this is the heavenly accent, Randy. It's from the nation down under, Australia. And I've been pastoring for 20 years. And the topic of conversation today, the book, Good Catastrophe, really came out of my heart to help people discover how to unlock the force of hope in life's hardest fights. And Good Catastrophe is a blueprint for people to help help themselves find their way out of pain. And so uh, there's lots we can talk about. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, the rule of writing books is write what you know. Uh, Have you have you had to deal with some pretty heavy things in your life? I would say two things, uh, Randy, you know, firstly, as a pastor, you and I wrote this book primarily from that context of a pastor to a congregation in the sense that if you pastor for long enough, you walk with people through all different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And what you soon discover is this, what really makes us, it's not the good days. It's not the sunshine. It's not the easy times in life. What truly forms us are the crucibles of life, adversity, hardship, and how we respond to storms. So firstly, I'd say I was I was writing to um, you know, the people that I that I pastor. But but secondly, um, this last year for me, Randy, uh, you know, they say when it rains, it pours. Well, I can relate to that. Uh, it was a few years ago I got a call from my older brother just 18 months older than me, letting me know that he'd been diagnosed with an incurable cancer. Mm. And just a a shocking moment, you know, uh, young, young wife. um, We we prayed as a family, family of believers. We prayed for years and contended for a miracle. We prayed and he died Mm. in the same year. This is only months. I'm not talking years ago. This is recent history for me. Um, I lost two grandparents. I went through the biggest I've ever been through. And you know what, to be candid with you, it felt like I fell into a dark hole. And I wasn't sure how to get out. And I think a lot of people can relate to that sentiment, like, 
how did I find myself here? How do I get out? And I'd written this book called Good Catastrophe. And I'm like, well, God, this, maybe you've forgotten the title. There's plenty of catastrophe. Where's the good? And, and I share that. I appreciate the question, Randy, but I, I share it in a vulnerable sense with you because what I discovered is that there is a version of hope when we get the endings that we want that is, in fact, the most powerful and potent version of hope. Well, you are you are in good company, Benjamin. What you don't know is that it's been it was ten years last Christmas since my younger sister passed away from cancer. She was forty, uh, and she left behind three children in their teen years, pretty close together. Uh, and you know, we prayed for a long time too. Um, and that is that is a very difficult thing to even reconcile. Um, and we, and we talk about what, what you said, you know, the, the deepest things come through adversity. But that doesn't make it easier to even understand. And, and I, I've got my answers, but I want to kind of hear yours, um, if you don't mind, because I know this is a hard conversation. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about God when something, losing a good person to an awful disease uh and leaving children and things like that because that was a hard part for me what, what are your thoughts i've had to relook at the story of job and i found great encouragement there but i've also had to the treatment that we give that story and i've come to see that treatment the prevailing model of that treatment how we retell the story as having some pretty large holes in it. <laughs> I've also had to look at the teachings of Jesus and the apostle Paul. And again, what I've seen, you don't need biblical scholar to just look at the face value of how Paul writes about his lived human experience. Mm -hmm. Or when Jesus talks about in this lifetime, in this world, you will have troubles. It's like a brooding statement, but I'm a pastor's kid. Randy, been raised in, in the church my entire life. So let me just press on something a little bit. In my era of being raised in the church, we were very good at talking about favor and goodness and breakthrough. And of course, I believe in all of those things, right? I think that's the heart and the nature of God. But the narrative can start to sound a little bit like this. And your life will be blessed in a way that makes it look like a perfect postcard, a hallmark version of life. And then mud gets thrown mm. on that beautiful postcard. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what to do with it, with imperfections, with anxiety, with loss, or when a storm hits. So we need hope, but we need a hope that is robust enough to speak to real life, to cancer, to grief, to, mm -hmm. to doubt and to heartache. Mm -hmm. And here's where I've landed, Randy, to summarize it in one sentence. I've landed with this thought. Perhaps hardship and hope together can do something for us that a problem-free life never could. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no doubt about that. Let me ask you this. Has it changed your perspective on this life uh, and made you look at eternity? Yes. 
yes, it has made me think a lot more about eternity, actually. Um, but that would not be a new thought to scripture. Right. Sometimes it's just a forgotten part of our <laughs> right, experience right. that we lived with each right. day. Right. Um, we do get caught up in the here and now. And sometimes when we think about God's behavior towards our pain and we limit that perspective to what Solomon d described as life under the sun, life here and now. So in other words, if God comes through with me, he's going to come through with me now, he's going to come through with me this side of eternity. Uh, but but we know that's not the case. It's not the case biblically. And so I think we have two things, Randy. Number one, outcome-based hope. That's mm. that false mm. postcard version of hope. Mm -hmm. Like if I have hope, I control the outcomes. The other hope is this. It's ultimate hope. It's a hope that's found in the person of Jesus. And it's a hope that sees through an eternal perspective. And it's a hope that makes sense for people that have really been through adversity and challenges in life. Yeah, uh, it, it it changes the idea of, of my hope is in the outcome or my hope is in my own faith, you know, uh, or my hope is in anything else. And when you go, okay, that phrase, my hope is in the Lord, it's not just a nice sounding phrase. It's a, it's a very concrete thing that says, okay, these other things, I, I can't have really any dependable kind of hope in it. They, they're temporary. You sure. know, life is a vapor. Yes. Uh, we live in a fallen world. Good things happen to bad people. Um, but when you go, my hope is in the Lord, that's, that's an anchor. That's one that, that doesn't falter. Uh, even, even though it's not always easy in the difficult times, um, is that, I, I know, I know, yes, I mean, that, I, that's where you're pointing. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. It, it is. I think I take it a step deeper in this book, Good Catastrophe, to say this, that, that hope is not just about surviving difficult times. Mm. Hope is a spiritual dynamic and it can reach into our imperfections here and now not just a hoped outcome some point in the future. Hope goes to work now mm -hmm. in the immediate present tense. Mm -hmm. And it brings about a turn of the human heart where the challenges, our deepest challenges, are turned towards our greatest good. So for an example, uh, you talked about my accent earlier, mm -hmm. Australia. Well, uh, my land where I live went through a massive forest fire yeah. in Australia. We have a lot of eucalyptus trees and they were just torched. Months later, I'm walking on the land, um, thick black ash on the ground, still the strong smell of smoke. And you know what I see? I see hundreds of little tiny bright green sprouts. So this charred landscape was already giving birth to, to new eucalyptus trees. I was fascinated by this. Like, how are they growing so quickly? Here's what I discovered about this resilient tree. It's not just that the eucalyptus tree survives the fire. It's better than that. It's that the fire is necessary in order for the potential to be birthed. Why? Because the seed capsules only open when burned. The fire is required to melt away the tough coating around the seed in order for the seed to germinate. And I think that's a that's a great picture of the human condition. Hope is not just about surviving fire. 
Hope is how God uses fires, even though God didn't create the fires, to release aspects of our potential and unlock expressions of who we are that we wouldn't have received if it were not for the fire. Wow. Okay. So your subtitle could be on the eucalyptus seed, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it could, maybe it was a better subtitle. <laughs> it would have confused people. Uh, you know, there are, we live in a world, and unfortunately the church is guilty of this, of really feeding into fear a lot. Uh, and of course, outside, honestly, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you don't even have some sense of God being in control. I, I think that fear is like the only option in this world because there's just so many things that, that are out to get you. But even in the church, you know, uh, you look at things going on in the culture. You look at some of the, the harsh things that went on in your country or up in Canada. Uh, and we can, we can really, if we're not careful, feed the fear uh, and lose hope. Um, when you look at the, the fear that is causing so much, you know, emotional, mental distress, what do, how, how do we turn some of that and, and, and get away from that in the church and become a people as Christians, a people, not of fear, but of hope? I know what it is to experience fear. You know, as a father of three boys, I look at them and I think, oh my goodness, like, like what world are they being raised in? Cultural upheaval and division, and it feels like things are changing so quickly. Um, I would say it this, this way, Randy, it feels like there are some, our culture has some dark clouds that have assembled. And so there is this massive need for transcendence to pull us out of fear. In fact, a recent CDC survey found 57% of teenage girls in this country said they felt persistently sad or hopeless. Mm. Like you're talking massive numbers. So fear, anxiety, they are sitting on our culture, on our homes, on our families, like a dark blanket. We desperately need to let the light in. One of the ways to do that is we need to reframe the way we see our troubles. Mm. Um, when we start to reframe imperfections in our life, to recognize that that's the raw material that God will use to make us, it changes things. And that's what a good catastrophe is. It's, it's this dual event that at the time, that moment is the thing that brought you to your knees, covered your face in tears. But in years to come, you often look back on those same moments and you're like, you know what, that's become a redemptive marker. And that same thing, thing is what made me who I am. I think when we start running from potential challenges, rehearsing worst case scenarios in our mind, spiraling into negative questions of what if, leaning into the light and recognizing even if pain comes my way, God specializes in hard situations mm -hmm. and he will be able to reach into that pain and turn it towards his good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's one thing to, to say that, to hear that, but to know that, to believe that, to live by that, it does change. It changes everything. Uh, we're talking to Benjamin Wendell. This is his book, Good Catastrophe. Uh, and if you get the book, you can read it straight through without all the jitters that we're getting on the internet today. If you're wondering, is that is that us? Is that me? Is that my connection? 
Uh, no, that's something going on between uh, Benjamin and I. Who knows? But that's the Internet. But I, I have a question for you, and, and I don't want to presume too much. Uh, I'm in my early 50s. Um, I'm guessing that you're a little closer to uh, Gen X, maybe. Um, could be on the end of the beginning of the millennial cycle but regardless those of us who are older uh i i think have a responsibility and we like to you hear a lot of complaints from your baby boomers your gen xers of you know the millennials or the gen z's and sometimes we can put these horrible generalizations on them but the reality is there is a lot of uh there there is a lot of uh, emotional distress, anxiety, uh, things like that in some of the younger people. How do we, as an older generation, model this in a way that brings health to them without just throwing condemnation on them for not being healthy? The recognition that there's maybe a lack of resilience would be an accurate one. But the world that younger people are being raised in is very unique. Um, I, I see it with my kids. Mm -hmm. and the unique challenges they have compared to me. Like I was raised in the 80s. They were simpler times. We didn't have cell phones um, and internet and constant social media. So recognizing that the world has changed, um, like like Randy, there's a good chance you never went through school shooting drills when when, when you were like, yeah. you know, nine years old. <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, hey. we, we, we got an alert this week in California about a, a shooting threat at our kids' school, you know, and so you're like, this stuff is real. They're, they're just living in different times. So here's what we need to teach them, Randy. It's called the bicycle. Now you think of right, a bicycle with two wheels. One wheel represents the, the joy, the good, the positive. The other wheel represents the negative, the pain, the challenges. We need to teach them that life flows on both wheels at all times. You never get a day where it's only good, nor do you ever get a day where it's only negative, but rather both wheels are constantly in motion. So here's what I'm saying. We need to stop thinking and educate younger generations this, teach them this, mentor this, model this. Don't wait for all of the bad to leave your life, thinking you can only allow yourself to have joy and fulfillment when it's just good. You'll never have just good. The bicycle of life involves riding on good and bad every single day of your life. That recognition helps normalize the reality of the human condition that people experience. Ride on both wheels and know that God uses the challenges of life towards your growth and towards your potential. Sounds like you're... you're making a statement against things like suppressing pain or avoiding pain or denying pain, but instead, uh, I don't know, would you say embrace the pain or is that too much? Is it just a matter of, of acknowledging it, uh, but not going, you know, going unicycle and, and resting strictly on one, but embracing both? It certainly involves reframing troubles. If you can't remove the trouble from your life, yeah. then reframe it and recognize that if, if your faith is in God, 
the storyline of your life always curves towards a redemptive purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's why the Apostle Paul, you know, Romans chapter 8, famous chapter. I love the book of Romans. Romans 8, 28, Paul talks about all things, right? All things work together for good for those who love God. Mm -hmm. But Randy, what, what, like, what were the all things? The all things were bad things. Right. <laughs> Shipwrecks right. and beatings and betrayal of his best friends and some kind of thorn in his flesh that caused him massive troubles. And, 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 and he went through trauma and shock and grief. So the all things were not good things. The all things were bad things. But God takes the bad things. God takes the pain. God takes the adversity. He doesn't always remove it but he puts it to work for a redemptive purpose in our life and the lives of others. Well, yeah, let's, let's face it. There's no great miracle in all good things working together for good. <laughs> you know, I mean, where's, where's the specialness in that? Of course, good things work together for good. Uh, but I, there's the rest of that, that that you're quoting, which is, you know, to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Uh, I, I, man, well, you're here in California now, uh, you know how uh, <laughs> many in, in the United States, we, we almost pin too much on the uh, election cycle, you know, or on elected leaders or, uh, you know, even even on church leaders sometimes, you know. We have to, that love for the Lord has to be individual and in each of us. And I think the only solution to any of our issues, whether the personal pain or sort of, you know, the fear of culture spinning out of control or whatever, it goes all back to the gospel of being born again, to having that, that relationship uh, and being called according to his purpose. I think without that, what, what we're talking about, getting, finding some good in the catastrophe, turning things towards hope, I think it's, I think it's impossible. How critical do you think the gospel is to any success in any hope in life. Yeah, the very nature of God, the Bible tells us, is three things, faith, hope, and love. All three of those express something of the nature of God toward us. You know, Matthew chapter 12 says, and his name will be the hope of all of the world. Mm -hmm. The name of Jesus will be the hope of all of the world. So the difference between hope and optimism or thinking good thoughts or doing more cardio and eating less carbs and <laughs> trying to improve our general sense of seeing the good in life, that's not what I'm talking about here. Hope is a spiritual dynamic that comes through faith yeah. in God. Yeah. And it, it rests in a relationship with God. It is a spiritual practice. It is a spiritual discipline. And I think lifting up the name of Jesus above everything that the enemy has tried to come into our lives to steal, kill, destroy, uh, we need to lift up the name of Jesus and recognize he is our ultimate hope. So this is something you believe. This is something you hold to. And this you've also gone through your own recent catastrophe. Is, is it working for you? I mean, that's a tough question right now, but I think it's a fair one. Is is what you're preaching, what you've written, is, is it working for you in your life? It hasn't removed the pain, yeah. Randy. Yeah. It, has, it hasn't removed 
picking up my phone and going to text my brother and then having that moment of like, oh, gosh, that's right, he's gone. No, it hasn't done the things that being raised in the church, I was promised, hoping God would do. And that's why I've wanted to revisit this subject. And so for me, yes, the recognition that hope can go to work even when we don't get the endings we want has been somewhat of a lifesaver for me. It has stretched my worldview on what I see are the interactions of God toward us. And I do believe there is a a hope that thrives when life hurts the most. I appreciate your honesty. Uh, it's refreshing. And, uh, and you know, the thing about that valley of the shadow of death is that it is a valley and it is real and it is dark, but there's only a shadow when there's a light on the other side of something and you've got to walk through it. You just got to keep walking. Uh, and so I, I would offer my own bit of encouragement for you having, having been there. Uh, and it's hard. I, I will say this 10 years out, I, I can look you know, it was the hardest moment for me was my sister's oldest son, her oldest child, his wedding where she wasn't there. It was the things that she missed that I knew she mm. would have enjoyed. Those, those are rough, man. Um, but to watch God's faithfulness in the lives of her children, you go, okay, it, you know, you always hear as a parent, God loves your kids more than you do. And you go, yeah, I know, but you know, I'm the one in charge of them right now. You know, but I can see it. I can see God's faithfulness through the loss of their mother at a critical time in their lives. Wow. He, he's held them. He's held them. And I'm, that's my prayer for you is that when you look back, you can see God's faithfulness even with that missing part of your life because it's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to live it. So bless you. Is there anything you want yeah. to add before I let you go? I appreciate that. I receive that. And, well, I would add that and echo that to every listener that you know God wants to reach into your deepest pain and turn it towards his greatest good. And just know this, some of your most game-changing lessons will come out of storms and God takes our pain, whatever that looks like, and he turns it toward our human flourishing. The man speaks the truth. You can check out a couple of websites. I'll show you real quick. This is the website for the book, goodcatastrophe.com. And then the one I put on the screen earlier, I'll put it up there again now, BenjaminWendell.com. You can see more about him in the ministry and in the book and just check out some of that. If he's if he's touched you and you want to follow up, I would invite you to do that. And, of course, the book is available wherever you get books. It's called Good Catastrophe. Appreciate you guys being here. If you want to offer hope to someone today, hit that share button. And if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, please do that. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Abundance brings up grace.